Okay, so I don't exactly know what I'm going to talk about today, but there's lots of different things on my mind. Um, yesterday I was at an event. Uh, they called it a symposium. Um, I don't exactly know what that word means, but what it was was a bunch of people who are trying to solve the problem of climate change all getting together in a giant room and um, a few of those people were were chosen ahead of time to be able to speak on the, on the stage of this room there was lots of different kinds of, kinds of people trying to solve this problem and like it ranged from there were a couple people who spoke on stage who were trying to figure out how to use the carbon in the atmosphere as a material to build things out of. Um, and I don't know how that would work. That's a very high-level technology here. They're thinking about taking co2 out of the atmosphere which apparently you you can do you can capture co2 and using electricity ideally generated by solar panels or something and water you can then turn that carbon dioxide into a material And then you can sell that material on the market and make money. And I mean, they liked that idea. I I don't want to. I mean, I don't really like that idea, and like that's my intuition. But I don't want to stop them from pursuing it. I think the reason I don't like that idea is that the change that I want is bigger than just removing carbon from the atmosphere. You know, if they if they figured out how to use the carbon in the atmosphere as a as a uh, manufacturing material. And let's say they man manage to do that at a large scale, then then nothing would really change. People would still be consuming. People would still be uh, trapped in this meaningless culture of of consumerism. People would still be um, suffering from lack of connection to nature lack of connection to each other to themselves all the issues that are really important to me would wouldn't wouldn't change and would even would even get worse because now we're we're encouraged to keep on consuming these things that now they've manufactured out of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere
And part of me is like, okay, sure, you can take the carbon from the atmosphere and and uh, make things out of it, but I don't know if that's really going to solve the climate change issue either. You know that, or maybe it, it might solve the climate warming issue, but maybe it it will cause or exacerbate some other ecological issue that will result in the same thing, which is Earth being less of a living planet. Like if we can, if we keep consuming, you know, what if, what if they get so good at this manufacturing thing that they, they take so much carbon out of the atmosphere that now we have to put carbon back in because now it's getting too cold or something. And so now we have to drill more more carbon from the ground and, and, and use more fossil fuels to put more carbon back in the atmosphere and consume more. And then the consumption engine just keeps on going and now we have to take more out of the atmosphere and all the while we're like destroying the earth. And something else, maybe it's not carbon, but something else will make the earth um, unlivable. And maybe, I don't know, maybe their technology will, they'll find a new technology to solve that thing, whatever that new thing is once the carbon problem is solved. Maybe they'll find a new technology for that thing and then and then that will keep driving the consumerism machine and will keep destroying the earth and then and then eventually we'll be living on a dead planet. And maybe we will be able to survive on a dead planet somehow with technology. But I don't want to do that. It's not a future I want. I want a living planet with trees and birds and vast seas of green and and rivers and creeks that have fish in them and frogs. You know, I when I was a kid there was a there was a stream by a cottage that my grandpa had built. Well, it wasn't that close to the cottage. We had to we had to go in the boat or canoe for a couple hours in order to get this to to the stream. When we were kids, we would go there and it was it was beautiful. In the summer, we would go there and we would just sit at the edge of the stream and and look at the stream for a couple minutes and before you know it you you'll you'll be able to see like 10 frogs just from that one spot sitting at the side of the stream and then of course we're kids so we go in the stream and try to catch the frogs and uh, in a couple in maybe an hour we we each catch a few frogs and we'd see like 50 frogs 
some of them too big for our little hands to catch, some of them too quick. And we'd also see the occasional turtle. I remember one time there was a big snake too, like a big scary snake. <laughs> like we we were too afraid to go to go near it. It was curled up ready to ready to kind of strike. I don't know what kind of snake it was, if it was poisonous or not. And and now when I go to that stream Actually, I noticed it when I was a kid. Like when I was a young kid, tons of frogs, tons of life snakes, water snakes. And then like five years later, when I was a little bit older, there weren't any frogs. Or at least there were fewer. And now when I go, I think the last time I go to the stream, I went to the stream, I didn't see any frogs at all. And I don't know why that is. And I do, I doubt that it was because of us kids trying to catch the frogs. I mean, we, we caught them and we held them in our hands for a minute and then we put them back. I'm not, I don't think that could cause um, the extinction of the frogs in that stream. And I don't know what caused it, and, and maybe it doesn't matter what caused it. But what matters is that it, it, it happened. It'd probably take a lot of science and and uh, study to figure out what caused this extinction in that one stream. But what I want is for the frogs to come back to the stream. But I don't I don't see how making plastic goods out of the carbon from the atmosphere is going to help frogs return to that stream. But I don't, yeah, I, I still don't want to stop those people from doing that. I mean, they'll, I just, I don't know. I just trust that they'll either succeed or they won't. And the, uh, the, the collective human species will, 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 nevertheless fall fall back in love with the earth and it wouldn't hurt to have that technology i mean maybe maybe even with when we do fall back in love with the earth and the streams and the trees and the and the lakes maybe at some point we will want to have that technology and we will use it sparingly
maybe we know that there's one, there's a few things that we really do need to make out of plastic. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's a prosthetic leg for someone, or maybe it's, um, whatever, whatever else it is. I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, containers for medicine. Maybe it's, I don't know. But it wouldn't, in that case, it wouldn't hurt to have that technology, but I don't want to rely on that technology as a be-all and end-all solution to, to the problems that we have. And I don't want to use that technology to continue our consumerist culture that's destroying the earth. Because even if it stops the one avenue that consumerism will destroy the earth, it won't stop all of them. So, so that happened at the symposium. And I, I don't want to be totally pessimistic about the symposium because there was a lot of cool things there too. There was one woman who uh, who spoke about how the single best thing to do if you want to prepare for disasters, natural disasters, or or anything like that, the single best thing you can do is get to know your neighbors. It doesn't matter how much money the government pours into your neighborhood. Well, it does kind of matter, but not as much as it as getting to know your neighbors matters. That's the that's the best thing to do. And that's proven by whatever science they had studies about the resilience of different communities and how well connected they were. But it, that seems obvious when you think about it like when a disaster strikes you can call you can call on your neighbors and you can help them and they can help you. And that, that obviously makes everyone more resilient, you know? And I like that because that, that solution to climate change, although it's not really a solution to climate change, it's an adaptation maybe. Um, that helps us go away from, the separation that is the underlying cause of climate change. I think the underlying cause is, is separation from nature and separation from each other, separation from ourselves. And so like the technology, technological solution, can solve one problem while making other problems worse. But getting to know your neighbors, that makes everything better no matter what. I don't see a downside to that. And so I like that. And I liked that I learned that yesterday at this symposium. Um, and I also learned 
a lot about how research, this was a good thing. So uh, a PhD researcher has been researching about the caribou in the northern part of Canada, Northwest Territories and Yukon. And and this researcher has been partnering with the indigenous people up there. And seeing those indigenous people as as knowledge keepers and as people who can provide knowledge about the caribou that she's researching. And it was really amazing. Like she would do a bit of research and then find something and then still be a little bit unsure, but then she would consult with the indigenous people and their stories would confirm what she was finding. And then she felt more confident in her findings. And then she found that, or she was her. I don't know if it was her, but other scientists in her field were figuring out that there was kind of three different general types of caribou. And then you go to the indigenous people and you find that they have three different words for the caribou in their area. And then you find that um, there's another type of caribou that's in a new area that's kind of a weird mixture. And then you find the same thing. You find a new word in, in the, the indigenous people of that area about the caribou. And, and so indigenous people and indigenous language and modern science research are working together nowadays to... Uh, to build up our knowledge of the natural world. And I think that was cool. I learned that yesterday. Yeah, but I, I came away from the, from the symposium not really knowing much more about what to do myself because I'm not a researcher. I'm not uh, a, a uh, technology developer. I I live in a place where I don't know if I can get to know my neighbors. I live in an apartment building. One time in a different apartment building I I uh decided to do an experiment. I wanted to get to know the people in my building. So I posted a note on the front door saying, "Hey, I've been living here for a year and I realized I don't know any of my neighbors, any of the people who live in my building. Um, if you want to, if you're in the same boat and you want to get to know people who live close to you, then you can call me. This is my number. And uh, maybe we can make some friends. I don't know exactly how I worded it, but it was something like that. And, um, I only got one response and it was a response from a, an older man who thought that, um, it was a little bit weird to, to post that note on the front door and that older man is a gay man and he thought that the only reason that I might post on the front door was for 
um, a sexual relationship that I wanted to 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 create with with someone in my building. He said it's a little weird, and and he looked at that as an opportunity because he that's what he wanted, I think. Um, so that was a very strange experience. It's like no one responded except for someone who who wanted to have a sexual relationship and and not a not an intimate sexual relationship, just like a you know a I don't know what you would call that, but sexual sexuality without love, I don't know what that is. Um anyway. So I don't know what that says about how I've tried to get to know my neighbors and failed. Maybe I could have tried again, but that made me kind of feel very pessimistic about the whole experiment. Um, anyway, maybe I've rambled enough for today. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I want to leave on a positive note. <laughs> What's the positive note for today? Well, even at the symposium where there was lots of scientists and technologists who were trying to put a Band-Aid on the problem, I think there was a lot of people there who were also trying to get at the root of the problem and not just put a Band-Aid on it. There were a lot of people there talking about love and separation and, and changing the stories, changing the underlying narratives that cause climate change, changing the, uh, the response, changing the definition of the problem so that it's about separation and not about purely carbon. There was some of that happening yesterday. And even at it's good to see that even at a symposium where that's a lot of techno talk. It's good to see that so that maybe the technology that those people are developing will, will be used lovingly and in the right way and not um, in a way that solves one thing while making another thing worse. Anyway, that was a very intellectual conversation I just have with myself, and I didn't talk very much about how I personally feel, but, and I don't know if I even got closer to knowing what I want to do. But, um, there you go. I still talked, still communicating. So, bye for now.